Hi, welcome to GOK number 39, the personal audio journal of me, James Kennison. Make sure you check out more of what I do at NLCast.com. It's just uh, talking today about selfies. Um, I don't, I'm not against them. They can get annoying when someone that I follow, you know, posts a lot of them. Like, especially if that's like all they post that and cat pictures and, and there's a couple of people, uh, specifically, I would say, um, kids that, um, have grown up that I used to, you know, help in ministry. And so now they're, they're grown and, you know, we have this connection and a couple of them, you know, are falling into this, this thing of selfies all the time, you know, and it's not even just them. I'm just thinking of a couple right off the top of my head. It, it's, a uh, seems to be a thing to do now and has been especially for the females and especially for the the girlies okay so what i was thinking is this it's like first of all um there's there's two things going on here you either a uh need some sort of constant you know uh Thing about people telling you you're pretty all the time. You know, you just need this constant reinforcement um, because maybe you have low self-esteem, and that's a shame. It's a shame that people have that first of all, and it's even more a shame that they have to, you know, get that from the internet rather than a dad or a mom or or some friends. Um, but yeah, constant, constant selfie thing it denotes some sort of self-centered focus and it's not necessarily um intentional you know low self-esteem is low self-esteem and and if you don't have the right people telling you that you know you're beautiful or uh that you know you're special things like that like like i do my daughter um then you're you are going to seek out you're going to seek out that kind of attention elsewhere. And, um, I mean, that's, that's the, in my opinion, one of the main reasons for teen pregnancy is, is girls that go to these goofy dudes because they got daddy issues. So that's, that's one reason it bothers me. Or the other reason is you, you, they really are cute and they know it. And so they think everyone in the world should see it. And, when it comes time to update their status and update their friends and update their family in the world, all they have is their cuteness. And so we get a picture of them making a duck face or a picture of them, you know, with a fr- another cute friend, you know, or that, you know, hand on the hip look, you know, looking over the shoulder thing or whatever. Um, yeah, you see these things and, I go, okay, so, so what? You're cute. There, my daughter's cute. There's a lot of cute kids out there and yeah, you're a kid, you know, until you're grown and got a kid of your own. Um, but what else do you have? So what? You're cute. So what? The only ones that care, I'll be honest, cause it ain't people like me. It's uh kids your age, you know, the boys, I guess. But uh, especially the boys you don't like. And uh, the weirdos. 
guys that are my age but are not like me. So, again, just a reminder, when you put stuff out on the Internet, it's going out to everyone, even people that hated you as a child, people that um, are from other countries that um, may or may not have the same laws or morals or whatever. Heck, people in the same country that don't. But here's my point. And this is when I have to personalize it. So I have to take it down to my daughter's level because one day she's going to have a phone. One day she's going to be tempted to do the selfie thing because I don't think it's going away. It's going to be, it's going to be a thing, you know, uh, planking came and went, you know, hundred other different things. But the selfie is going to be almost like one of those jokes that just sits around sixth or second and third grade, you know, or the, the jokes that sit around kindergarten, first grade, they're still telling the same jokes, Spell I cup I C U P ha 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 U C B P ah. I mean that that's jokes I had when I was a kid back in the late seventies early eighties and they're still doing that now, um, and I think selfies are going to be in that category. So when it comes time for my daughter, here's my thing: post a selfie. That's fine. Post a freaking selfie, but you're going to have more to offer the world than. You're cute because my 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 message is still going to be the same. My question is still going to be the same. You're cute, so what? So what now? What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? How about a selfie of you doing something of significance? Something uh, with some maybe even eternal ramifications? How about a selfie of you cleaning the freaking car? You know? No, I'm not talking to my daughter now because my daughter's nice and she's a good kid. Maybe I will later. Maybe I'll yell at her later, but for now, I can just say, how about a selfie of you cleaning out the car? A selfie of you working in a soup kitchen? A selfie of you with your family having dinner? You never see those. It's just, oh, I'm in my room, or I'm in the bathroom, or, you know, the most inappropriate places on the planet to be taking pictures of yourself. And uh, that's that's the main deal. So that's it. That's my opinion. It's my opinion on selfies. You're cute. So what? You need attention. So what? Here's how to build self-esteem, ladies and gentlemen. Parents, children, whoever you are, this will help you. Whether you're trying to build it in yourself or others. Self-esteem, good feelings about yourself, comes, plain and simple, from doing good things with your life. That's it. That is why kids have low self-esteem. They are told everything they do is awesome. And they know not everything they do is awesome. Either that or they believe it. And the word awesome means absolutely nothing anymore. And um, so everybody tries to tiptoe around them and you know, try to, oh, we don't want to hurt his feelings. We don't want to make him behave. We don't want to discipline him. We don't want to hold him to any standards because we, oh, we'll mess up. He's got low self-esteem. Had a parent tell me that one time about their kid that wasn't in the right place he knew he wasn't supposed to be in this room and he was and he got called out on it and he was told to leave and he was embarrassed about it and i wanted him to be embarrassed and i told her that he shouldn't have been there he knew it i told him he didn't think i'd catch him i saw him i i called him out and i put him out well he has low self-esteem and i told her the same thing i'm telling you now you want high self-esteem so good Self-esteem comes from doing good things with your life. Well, I know that. No, you don't. You don't know that, lady. Because if you did, you would, wouldn't be defending his behavior. It's more important for him to be right than to be right. 
about the things that he does. So self-esteem people, if you need to feel good about yourself, quit looking at your looks. Try the things you can do. And not just your talents to be self-fulfilling. Try to use your skills, your talents, the things you're good at, things you're passionate about um, to bless other people, to help other people. Maybe to even teach other people how to do what you do. Um, Not to use myself as any kind of a reference point, but I will just say this. My goal with what I do is twofold. I, I want to reach as many people in as many ways as possible through podcasting. I would love it if a billion, million, trillion people listen to my shows. That is obviously a goal of every podcaster. They say it's not about numbers, and it's not. But every number is a person that is listening and interacting with you and enjoying what you're doing, and it does make it that much more worth it. Okay? So there is that. But the other side of it is I want to help as many people and in as many ways as possible as well. So to reach and to help. If somebody wants to podcast, if somebody wants to know how I do what I do, I share it. And um, I've, I've written up articles because some questions do become redundant and you answer the same one a million, billion times. But uh, I, I just believe, you know, freely given, you know, freely received, you know, freely give. It's kind of my thing. It's a little out of context, but Still counts. I got one more thing to talk about real quick. It is a trend in Christianity that I don't even know that we know we're doing it. But we take scriptures from the Bible that we hear in in church. And, and I've heard it my whole life. I've taught it myself. And, and it's been accidental. And maybe it's something pastors just do. And we don't, we don't realize that's what we're doing. But we... We tell our people about the sin, you know, the things that God doesn't like, and we talk about them, and um, sometimes we harp on them too much, and we almost run the risk of telling them more about the sin that they shouldn't do than the commission that they should do. But we won't talk about that right now. What I want to talk about is that when we do talk about sin— we challenge people to stay away from it. In our, you know, from a pastor's point of view, we tell our people stay away from these sins. We tell them that they're destructive, and that they're um, they're negative, and it's the wrong way. And it's going to hurt your life, and all that kind of stuff. But the one thing we forget to tell them is this: that most of the scriptures, if not you know all in the New Testament, are especially the stuff we preach from, all right? The gospel, obviously, is for for sinners and stuff like that. But what Paul talks about, and that's mostly where we pull from, James, Paul, and Peter's writings, is um, are these warnings against bad behavior and the way we're supposed to treat one another and the way we're supposed to love one another and even how we're supposed to handle conflicts and everything. And all of that stuff is written to Christians, but what happens is we preach it to the Christians, and the Christians accidentally decide in their head, you know, that this stuff is bad. It is bad. Because we we teach that sin is bad. We don't teach that sin is missing the mark. We don't teach that sin is separating, you know, yourself 
um, and and going your own way versus God's way. We we just kind of uh, you know objectify sin in and of itself, and so sin is bad, and I must stay, stay away from it. So when I recognize it anywhere, I must shun it. And where's the first place we see sin? A lot of times, as you know, when you're walking around life, you see it in coworkers, you see it on the streets, you see it in the grocery stores, and you can even, if you look hard enough, find it in your friends at church. Okay? So, here's the thing that I want to focus on, is when we're here to avoid sin, we, we kind of learn to be insulted by sin. And so we separate and we alienate uh, from people that do those things. And the problem I have with that is that, yes, we are told to avoid sin, but not we're never told to avoid sinners. Matter of fact, the Bible says to be in the world. And the world, if you look up the world in the Bible, I'm no theologian, but it, the understanding is the world is the world without the love and the the you know salvation the potential of the salvation of Jesus Christ it it's the world it's it's like um i've always kind of imagined it as in the spirit world as kind of like a a, a desert place you know it's kind of what i do in my my childhood head and the problem here is since we've We've taught, talked about sin so much, or we're offended by it. When we see it, we shun it. And there's a lot of things that most Christians and I would agree on as far as what is sinful, what is self-destructive, what is a good idea, what is a bad idea. But none of those things, none of them, separate a man or a woman from the love of God. And if you came to me and asked me, do you love homosexuals? Do you love, you know, these, the, these people that are on the fringe, you know, that are the, because let's face it, homosexuals are the, the, um, we're, we're the hate group for homosexuals. Um, I will say this. I will say I love who God loves. And I accept who Jesus accepts. And how much better is that than saying, I love the sinner but hate the sin? Because I'm sorry, that's not biblical, first of all. Everybody thinks it's scripture. It's not. Secondly, it's not your job to judge. The only chance we're given to judge in the, in the Bible is our fellow Christians. And even then we're supposed to do it with love. And the only time we're supposed to be a total, but it's not the first step that we usually go to. It's supposed to be way at the end when they've been given a chance and even been called in front of the entire church, you know, all this stuff. I mean, there's a system that we do not follow and sins are not supposed to be so scary. Matter of fact, the Bible I read says that when we come together, we're supposed to confess our sins. When's the last time you ever heard of that? Never, ever. Maybe on a youth camping trip or something when all the people are around. 
And usually during a game of truth or dare at that. So I'm not a, a judge. Um, I know what's right and wrong. And I know what's hurting a person and what's not hurting a person. But there's so many arguments that go out about judging. And I don't think it's relevant because I was told to go and make disciples. I was not told to go and point out sin. I was not told to go and judge other people by my standards. If anything, I was told to go and understand that I am a sinner too. Saved by grace, yes, but not by anything I did, not by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to give the kind of love that attracted me to God in the first place. I'm supposed to operate in the spirit that drew me to Jesus, who in turn bridged the gap between God and myself. There's a lot of things I'm supposed to be doing while I'm getting ultra-political. I don't, but people do. And uh, and while I'm getting offended about what people are able to do legally and otherwise. You know, the, the whole legal thing to me about marriage and stuff while we're kind of on it, I, I don't. I don't really care, and I'll tell you why. Because what do you expect a fallen world? What do you expect from a bunch of people that do not share your morals and your standards? You know what sinners do? They sin. They make mistakes. You know what Christians do? They sin. They make mistakes. And we can argue over whether God... Sees all sin the same or, you know, all this kind of stuff. All I know is it only takes one. The way we believe is it only takes one to condemn you. And everybody's done it. Everybody's in the same boat. The only difference is we have experienced the love of Christ. And that does not make us better than them. Maybe a little better off. But Christ showed us the example of a servant. Christ showed us someone that was willing to die for his sins. But when I look at the right wing that I used to staunchly be a part of, and, and you know, I guess I, I'm central, I guess, these days. I, I, I have the beliefs of one side and the heart of the other. And I see us fighting for um, to kill murderers, which I used to believe in 100%. Now, I don't know. I don't know that I believe that. And we, we, we basically fight against everything. That's what we're known for, fighting against everything. And the Bible I read doesn't say anything about fighting against stuff. It says to serve people. It says to love people. It says to turn the other cheek. The early church knew this. They got together and they had dinner. 
They had to learn how not to set the place for the famous people, rich people. They, they had their problems, but the Lord added daily to their number. And they had a lot of things to work out, and, you know, some that lasted forever and some that was, you know, cultural. And I guess what I want to say is this. We're supposed to be in the world, not of the world, but we've separated ourselves from them and we're just like them. And sinners sin, okay? We all do. And we all need Jesus. So the way I kind of think about it, I guess, is that when I hear on the news of somebody pushing for some sort of thing, I'm like, I just don't even care because I know where the world's going. And I know who wins at the end. And I know I can't, I shouldn't have to fight for my faith. My faith should be shared with everyone around me. I'll just say it this way. It's almost like we we cheat. We want to force people to believe like we do through legislation and through petitions and stuff like this, and we we we're, we're struggling because the world, is, Christendom is is falling apart. We we used to own everything. We used to be the boss, you know. And even though there was a separation of church and state, church still pretty much, you know, drove a lot of things. Now it's not. People are dropping off. Ch- church is not as popular anymore. It's losing people statistically every year. And we're and we're run, we're running around with our hands in the air, going, "What do we do? What do we do? Our our way of life is falling apart. Our relevance is waning. So we've got to force people put Christ back in Christmas, you freaks. Halloween is of the devil, you morons. That song's talking about devil stuff, and it's like they they don't." It's not that they don't know. They just don't care. They don't see the point. And we're fighting. We're fighting them. When have you ever won somebody over by fighting them? Ever? You make them sink their feet in the sand even deeper just so they can spite you. So I don't know. Where I'm at is when I do ministry next time, you can do what you want. But what I'm going to do... So I'm going to quit worrying about what people are at the moment, what they want. I'm just going to focus on the fact that they are someone created in God's image. And they are someone that has been shuffled around and beat up by the same world that shuffled me around and beat me up. And like to say, the old people say, it wasn't for the grace of God, there go I. And I'm going to understand that there is absolutely no difference between me and them other than the fact that I open my heart to, to, to Jesus Christ. And the Bible is very clear that that is, you know, that's an acceptable act. It's just, it's just normal. I'm not going to freak out. When sinners sin. And here's one more thing. I'm not going to freak out when Christians fall and sin. 
got a much more problem. I got a much bigger problem with Christians who are not falling and are succeeding. <laughs> Talking about our our wonderful faith, uh, our faith healers and such. But when somebody falls and hurts, man, um, and I kind of kind of went through that this year. I, I didn't fall morally, thankfully, but I fell and I was ostracized and I was pushed away and I had to quit my job and felt felt like a moral failure. I was treated like one. So I understand it. And it's not fun. You know, DC Talk did this song, What If I Stumble? What If I Fall? What if I something something and make fools of us all? Will the love continue when the walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble? What if I fall? And they were asking it way back in the 90s. And it's a question that every Christian musician, every bearded duck call maker, every John and Kate plus eight person has the right to ask. Yes, you can argue that they sold out. But again, aren't we all sinners? Wouldn't we all pretty much do the same thing? Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, what do you know? You don't know what you'd do. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what I'd do. I thought I was the strongest Christian in the world. So, here's my thing: is I, I'm just gonna, I gotta, you gotta, we gotta accept people. We gotta accept people where they are, and 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 that's it. Period. Don't worry about their sin. Worry about their relationship with Christ. Because I got news for you. When you get saved, you know, we get it in our heads that all their sin goes away. And that's just words. What it is, is that they are forgiven of their sins. (laughs) Some of the sins do not go away. If you're a glutton, a fatso like me, and you go down to the altar, you are not going to be skinny when you get up. And if you smoke cigarettes, though I've heard people who can give them up immediately, and that's awesome, you're, you're still going to have a nicotine habit that you may want to deal with. Um, I know people uh, in my youth group, or the youth group I helped in, that still did drugs for a time, or still had sex with their girlfriend for a time, or were still shacked up for a time before they realized, oh, wait a minute, this is, oh, it says right here we're not supposed to be doing this. And there was grace. If there's grace for a Christian who's already been saved and and who's pretty darn secure, not, you know, how much more for those that, that God wants to save? See, that's the thing. That's the thing that the people in Kansas forget is, you know what? God might be a little bit angry. I might agree there that he's angry the same way that I would be angry if I walked in and my kids had destroyed their bedrooms. I would be angry that they did it, but mostly angry that they would now have to sleep, you know, in this filth and mess more angry at the situation than I am what they did. But I do know that, I don't know. People ask me, well, God, God was just, you know, mean, angry God, vengeful God back in the day. And now we we paint him as this God of love and God of light and God of peace. And he's kind of wimpy, actually. And so 
the, with the way we portray him. And that's why the college kids ask, well, if he, if he could do anything, would he make a rock? He couldn't move. And I, I love uh, what I read recently in, I think it was uh, Tangible Kingdom. Is there things that, is there questions God can't answer? And his simple answer was yes, there are. So the context isn't that God can do everything because God can't answer a nonsense question. Nobody can. There is no answer for how does blue smell? You see what I'm saying? So there's some logic in here. And ridiculous questions are just that. But we have we have painted God with such a light, happy little happy cloud brush that we um we forget that that God of the Old Testament, I believe, is still in full effect. I do also believe that when Jesus died on the cross, God um, took out a lot of his anger on him for our sake. And maybe perhaps that's why we don't see all the things we used to see, you know, or we read about. We are doing people a disservice when we, um, when we judge them. Because we are going to do it wrong. And our judgment does not lead to repentance. God's does. So, as for me and my house, we're going to leave the judgment to God. We're going to love people the way God has loved us. We're going to accept those that Jesus accept. Love those that God loved. I mean, do we forget that Jesus hung out with taxpayers and prostitutes? If I went to dinner with a with a couple of uh, ne'er do wells and uh, a couple of prostitutes, um, I'm pretty sure my reputation would be tarnished, and I look forward to tarnishing it one day. Especially if it's at a pub or something, God, God help us, you know. Oh, but um, most important thing in the world, the most important thing in the world, is not going to church. It is not um, worshiping God, even though that's what we've been told, and that's where society, Christian society, is gone. Is we're just all about worshiping God. It is not completely all about you connecting with him either. It's all about you connecting others with him. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded and I will be with you until the end of the age. I will be with you. Where is God, people ask. He is somewhere around you waiting for you to make a difference in somebody's life. Waiting for you to do the hardest thing you've ever done and ask someone if they need to talk or if they need a, a, a meal or, hey, do you want to go out and, and you know, you can just be gay and I'll be, I'll just be loving and accepting <laughs> and we can just be friends <laughs> and, you know, we'll talk about stuff. Uh, are you ready to do that? Well, well, somebody's got to. 
as Michael Jackson say, it starts with a man in the mirror. So uh, I look forward to being better than I am as far as my depression and anxiety. I look forward to the day that God reveals to me what we're going to be doing with the rest of our lives. It's frustrating not knowing. But um, God's worth waiting for. And again, I can make my own judgment and I can move the way I want to move and do what I want to do. And I could I could force God's hand and kind of just, oh, I'm going to do this and, you know, just stop me. And if you don't, it's you. And, and that's bull. You know, I could also do what... Uh, I don't know. I used to think it was good advice, and it is. They got, I can't remember the dumb book. But he says, uh, you know, look around, see where God is working, and join him there. Well, and, and that's great for most people, and most people that's exactly what they need to do because they're in the right place in their life. Right now, Jen and I are not. We are in a place of, of recovery and struggle and and insight and rebirth and renewal and anger and crap and medicine and stupid crashes on the highway last Saturday total dumb car that was paid for so we got you know we got stuff we're doing but i i'm in a place where i believe that god does have a future for us and i am accepting of the fact that that future may be really really hard I also accept a God that is a good God and does bless people and actually does move in the lives of people today. But I also accept a God that does not, at times, intervene or stop. I believe in a God that heals, changes lives. I believe in a God that stops accidents before they happen. Believe in a God that cures cancer. I believe in a God that saves little babies. But I also believe in a God that does not. All of those things except for save people, because he does that all the time. But I I have to accept God at who he is, not who I've made him to be. I wrote this the other day because I was talking about people who have suffered. And the article is crap because <laughs> it's a lot of my guts just thrown out on the page. It shouldn't even be called an article. It should be called a, a diary entry. Um, but at the end, I said, you know, us, we who have suffered, and I have not suffered as much as many, but I have suffered. We understand God differently, and we know that he allows things. And we, and, and we stand there with our image of him in our hands, held up to him, showing him what he was supposed to be. And we tell him all the rules that we had in our mind that he was supposed to follow. And he stands there silently until we crash our idol. And we throw away and lose those, that little rule book. And we accept who he is, or at least what we know of him. And we're willing at any moment to throw away the new image, the new idol, and look again at what we now know about him. So I know a God that is loving. But I know a God that is also 
strange and unknowable and a God that doesn't make sense to me. I know a God that fights with me and allows me to become crippled. I know a God that takes my life and smashes it to atoms. But now, I also believe in a God that rebuilds. I don't know, like the the whole potter and the clay thing. He smashes what he built because there was a there was a flaw, and and I don't know where it was. Oh man, because I was perfect. Um, but I got smashed, and I think you'll rebuild. And again, I look forward to taking what I know about him and and the understanding that I have of those that are that are rejected from traditional church, the exiles, people that just don't fit. And I hope I can be a part of something that attracts, transforms, and duplicates that kind of stuff. You know, people that need need the uh need a special kind of thing. So I've managed to talk for thirty eight minutes on what I thought was going to be one short little thing, but it's my deal. So my my point was <laughs> all that to say we apply Christian rules to non Christians, don't we? And we shouldn't. Yeah, sin sucks. Sin is bad. But we're not the only ones that know that. There's people that don't that are trying to, you know, straighten up without God. And some succeed to a point, obviously, to a point. But when we're avoiding sin, don't uh don't focus on it so much that that the person who's doing it is 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 offensive to you that you must separate yourself from them. Cuz remember what we talked about earlier about how the Bible tells us to to um sh- you know share our sins, confess them one to another. We can't do that. Why? We can't do it because of what I've just been talking about. You would be ostracized. Only one in the room. I mean, either one or two things would happen. You'd be ostracized, which is most likely, or two, some sort of mini little indie revival would break out in that everybody else would start admitting, holy crap, you do, oh, oh, I deal with that too. Oh, me too. And, oh, you know. There's a guy in my church who uh, lives in the neighborhood and he is poor, and he is um, I wouldn't uh, I don't know I, I I call it Forrest Gump, and I and I don't say that to be mean. I, I say it to help you understand about where he's at. You know, he's he's a great guy. He's very friendly. Shake your hand. You know, has a job. The whole thing, but but um, you know, IQ wise, probably not all the way up there. He loves God. He comes in smelling like cigarettes and dirty clothes. And everybody accepts him. And he can sit wherever he wants. And he doesn't have to change his clothes. 
even when he wears shorts to church. And when um, pastor asked if anybody had any problems or struggles with what he had been talking about that day, which happened to be the tongue, you know, issues with the tongue, several people did nothing, but this, this man raised his hand and he flat out told on himself. <laughs> and if he had known what he was saying, you know, like, like I would, you know, say, I, I would have been embarrassed. He wasn't. And he's better off for it, in my opinion. But he confessed his sins. And I don't know. I'm sure every single person in the room had a different, you know, view on it. But um, I appreciated it. And I thought it was real. And uh, I got a feeling that when we get up to heaven, we're standing in there in judgment. The Forrest Gumps of the world are going to have a special line. We're we're all going to be in the in the line where we have to take off our shoes and take our laptops out of our bag, and those guys are going to be in the fast track line because because uh, they were just so real and transparent their whole life, good or bad, you know. <laughs> all right. So next time I'm going to talk about lamenting. That's a that's a term you need to look up. Um, I don't know if I'll do it or not, but that's what I'm looking at right here on my notes. So we'll see. Thanks for listening. Freaking 42 minutes. And uh, if you do listen, drop me a line and tell me why. Uh, is this uh, is this stuff I should keep to myself or not? Does it help you at all? Uh, I don't need an ego stroke. I'd I'd just like to, uh, you know, honestly, sometimes the things I say, I think I'm getting myself more in trouble than I am, you know, helping other people realize, you know, because my goal is to say things and share things that are personal and inside my head in my life and stuff. And not that people would get offended by it or reject me or throw me away, but that they would then feel strong enough to be able to stand up for what they believe in and to be able to get through the problems they're having. And and not that I'm an example, not that I'm worth two craps, um, but that I'm trying, you know, I'm just trying really hard. And I'm willing, I guess. And um, I'm not a person you would follow, but maybe I could be somebody that inspires you, you know. Even a little bit, even if it's just some, like a salad bar, you're like, oh, I hate his opinion on this. I do not agree with him on this. So you'd leave that on the salad bar. But then you're like, oh, but that is that is awesome. His, his thing about this one thing he said, that thing, it's pretty good. So I'll get some of that. Mm. Oh, and pineapple. He loves pineapple. We'll put some of that on. All right, guys. And girls, thank you so much for listening. And um, we'll talk to you next time. It's been Gospel Kennison. Don't hate, just love. Sounds like hippie talk. But um, Jesus died for those people that were hating on. You know that? He did. He loves them more than we do, apparently. 
And uh, we're told to live at peace, if at all possible. We ignore all those things. Forget about them. I think we're a lot backwards. I think we're significantly backwards from where we're supposed to be as a as a unit, as a body. And I, I hope that the next generation will grow sick of what we have become and will change. But w- unfortunately, what I see right now is people sick of what was, especially in the Assemblies of God world where I'm from and in and out of and all that. The The trend is now to kind of ignore the evidences of the Spirit of God in the lives of a person because the previous generation, I believe, kind of abused that. And there was a bunch of revivals that weren't really real and, and a bunch of people that weren't really healing and a bunch of people who were saying one thing and then doing doing uh, several other people. And so they are shirking all of it and throwing the baby out with bathwater. And I think the pendulum is going to swing and finally come the other way because it was all faith, hyper, everything's charismatic in the 80s and then the 90s and now are, you know, we're going to, we're going to be seeker sensitive and not allow anything weird or unscheduled to happen. And then I hope in the middle of the whole thing, we'll realize it's really not about what happens in our building. It's totally about family. It's totally about connecting with others and sharing the love of Christ with sinners. You know, we're fighting the wrong battles and looking at the wrong stuff. So I'll talk to you next time.